The Grazadio School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Kawana is the Managing Partner and Chief Operating Officer of Magic Johnson Enterprises. Uh, she is responsible for the overall leadership of the organization, handling all, spec, all aspects of the business development, negotiations, licensing, securing endorsements, and asset acquisition. Uh, she's played an, a critical part in partnering Magic Johnson Enterprises with top businesses such as Lincoln Mercury, Burger King, Cadbury Schweppes, and many others. She also reviews and facilitates all deals on behalf of Magic Johnson Companies, which includes the Magic Johnson Foundation, Incorporated, and Johnson Development Corporation. Uh, she's facilitated new opportunities and collaboratively built the brand into over 21 states and 86 cities nationwide. And has really take, been credited with making Magic Johnson Enterprises the number one urban brand in America and really a pioneer in business development in urban communities around the country. Prior to becoming the Chief Operating Officer, uh, Mrs. Brown served as President of the Magic Johnson Foundation, which is recognized today as one of the leading philanthropic organizations in the nation, and she still serves as President of the Board for Magic Johnson's uh, Foundation. So it is with a great pleasure that I introduce to you Kawana Brown. Thank you. Thank you so much for that fantastic introduction. Um, good evening to everybody here tonight. I'm so honored to be here. Uh, and I definitely want to send a thank you to Dean Livingstone. Um, from the time that I got here, you welcomed me with open arms. And uh, just our visit and our, our trip over to the podcast was fantastic. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, again, I wanted to thank Miss Amber Johns, who, of course, is one of our team members and is the primary reason why I'm here tonight. Thank you to the staff that's here, Stephanie, Shane, and Quadir, my assistant. Shane actually runs our foundation's programs, and Stephanie handles all of our marketing and our PR, and it was instrumental in preparing me for tonight, so thank you for being here. Um, I wanted to share a few stories with everyone. Of course, you know who Magic Johnson is and uh, what he embodies and um, uh, his career on the court. Uh, but I want to share some stories about Mr. Johnson, about the businessman that he is today and who he has become. Additionally, I want to share my story and how I was led to Magic Johnson Companies uh, and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis and where our company is going and the impact that we've made in the urban community and urban America in general. By way of introduction, of course, I am Chief Operating Officer of Magic Johnson Enterprises, and my primary job is to forge that vision and the vision of Mr. Urban Magic Johnson. He runs the company, and a lot of people have always come up to me and asked, you know, does Magic Johnson, is it just his name on the, uh, on the door? Uh, is he in the office every day? What type of advice does he give? And he runs the company uh, from the day-to-day -day operations to every bit uh, of the company from our foundation he's involved in, to our enterprises he's involved in, to the development company. The overall um, Magic Johnson overarching umbrella is the enterprises, and our enterprises is the hub of our brand. And that meaning uh, he primarily involved, the Magic Johnson enterprises is primarily the, um, the, the brand loyalty. Uh, it 
stems from all of our endorsements. Our enterprises is also uh, embodies the foundation and the Johnson Development Corporation. Our Johnson Development Corp is the entity that is our brick and mortar business. So our Starbucks relationship, if you haven't heard, we have a joint venture partnership with Starbucks, uh, as well as brick and mortar real estate investments that we have a partnership with Canyon Johnson Realty. Uh, we have over 13 of these real estate investments all across the U.S., and that is our Johnson Development Corporation. And our foundation primarily focuses on youth, inner city youth, all across the U.S., uh, and it is focused on education, technology, and HIV-AIDS. But Mr. Johnson, of course, is the visionary, as I mentioned. He is a smart entrepreneur. He is very detailed. He is... Uh, extremely organized, and it is through his vision that he embodies what we have become, and we have become a legacy builder. We have become trusted in the urban market, and he is definitely a control freak, I would say, um, and he would say that as well, um, but I mentioned how he's involved in every element of our company, uh, to interviewing the receptionist, to signing every check that comes across uh, our our, our doors. He is involved in every element of our company. Um, the way that I came to the company 11 years ago, and a lot of people look at me and say, 11 years? You've been with Magic Johnson Enterprises for 11 years? I've been there for 11 years. And uh, it was a mentor of mine that actually brought me to the company. Uh, 11 years ago, we had the Magic Johnson Theater was, there was a rumble of the establishment of the theaters. And I wanted to be a part of the community. I wanted to be a part of change. I wanted to be a part of empowerment. And I saw what Magic Johnson was doing in the Los Angeles community and primarily the South Central community of LA. Uh, I was born and raised there. Um, and I really wanted to be a part of whatever was going on there to uh, empower that community. A mentor of mine, her name was Taylor Michaels. Uh, she went to work for Magic Johnson and actually invited me to come on board to work for him. All that, the only position available was an entry-level receptionist position. So I had to leap out on faith and take this position. But in taking that position, the only way that I could move was up. And at that time, <laughs> there were only four people in the entire company. It was myself, Mr. Johnson included, Taylor Michaels, and uh, at that point, his name was Ken Lombard. He was the president of the Johnson Development Corporation. Uh, so I worked hard, and uh, I would say my very first day was the only day that I actually took a lunch break. The second day, of course, I had to stay late. Um, there were no more lunch breaks because we were, at a time, we were really trying to prove that doing business in urban America was smart and it could be profitable. Uh, so although I had an entry-level position, I was able to handle every aspect of the company. And as you know, in small business, you wear lots of hats. And at that time, I had to wear lots of hats. So only three weeks after joining the company, I was doing PR, I was doing marketing, I was trying to establish strategy and open up a, a theater in Atlanta, um, but I still held this, this position. Shortly thereafter, I was promoted to assistant um, for Mr. Johnson. Then I was promoted to uh, the vice president of programs for the Magic Johnson Foundation. And there, 
I truly came into my own. I had a passion for youth. I had a passion for uh, the communities that we serve, as I mentioned. Uh, and at that point, our foundation, our foundation was expanding from a single disease foundation to focus on education. And we established a scholarship program in the name of Taylor Michaels. As I mentioned, she was my mentor, and she actually had passed away only a year after I had started with the company. But I would say that the, one, of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest moments in my life um, and one of the greatest elements of me being a part of this company was to be able to establish that legacy in her name and under the umbrella of, of Magic Johnson. Now, to actually Amber actually went through that program uh, and she actually knew Taylor very personally. So we're very proud to be able to say that we have scholars that are succeeding, scholars that have only, that not only have Magic Johnson's name, but that also has Taylor Michael's name and that are doing very well um, in, in community, in the community. Um, the other thing that I would say is that my story doesn't, um, uh, my story isn't the only story in our entire company. One of the things that Mr. Johnson prides himself on is identifying elements of individuals uh, and pushing them towards goals that are unimaginable. So if there's anybody in this room that mirrors my story, continue to dream and dream big uh, because those dreams do come true. Me, not only being from the inner city of Los Angeles, I am also one that uh, was a first graduate in my entire family of college. Uh, so with that, I'm able to instill all of those same goals and those same dreams into the students that we primarily uh, target for our scholarship program. If you follow the story, I led you to me being vice president of the programs at the foundation. I was then promoted to president of the foundation, and there is where I also led the entire vision and the impact of where our foundation is today. We were able to also establish technology centers all over the U.S., uh, and we primarily focused on following our businesses. Because Magic Johnson stands for community, he stands for trust, he stands for loyalty, our foundation stood for the same thing. But it was there at the foundation that I realized that although we had a lot, we had a lot going on. We had our Johnson Development Corporation, we had our foundation, and we also had the enterprises. What we didn't have was a brand. We didn't have a brand internally. Externally, our consumers recognized Magic Johnson as being a part of the community. But internally, being a part of the foundation, we were very separate. If we were, um, we did not have cohesive meetings internally. So I went to Mr. Johnson, and if anyone has heard him speak, he always tells the story of me being this five foot three woman coming in there and sitting him down, and he being six nine, and me telling him, listen, you have a lot going on, but you really have nothing. And it opened up his eyes, and it opened up his mind. Like, what do you mean I have nothing? I'm Magic Johnson, I have a lot, and I've built a lot over 20 years. Uh, but being in the streets every day and hearing the customers um, not differentiating any element of Magic Johnson from the for-profit to the non-profit side, internally we, we did not have one mission, we didn't have one vision, we didn't have one voice. Externally the public thought we did, but we really didn't. So from that I continued to tell him we need to truly build a brand. 
and in building a brand, we have to become one. And the stronger, the, the more we become one, the stronger we become externally. Little did I know that he was going to turn to me in a, year, a year's time and tell me that my new job was to be the chief operating officer of Magic Johnson Enterprises. And what I needed to do was to prepare a strategic plan and implement that plan to create a brand and a legacy that lasts forever. And one thing I didn't mention was in all of this time span, I got married and I also had a child. I don't know how I was able to do all that, but I did. <laughs> but as I think about the benefits of a brand and what I have been able to do uh, in my, my leadership at the company, I had to first identify what a brand was. And of course, everyone knows what a brand is. It's a name, it's a sign, it's a symbol, it's a logo. Um, but a brand is so much more than that. Uh, we had to identify ourselves, of course, by establishing a logo. But at the same time, we had to establish a mission. And that mission is to answer the demands of underserved communities by producing and making available high-quality products and services to those urban communities that we serve every day. We also had to identify a model, and that model is we are the communities we serve. So if you walk into our offices, if you walk into any one of our conference rooms, that's what you see. You see that we are the communities we serve. The other common voice, common theme that we have is it doesn't matter what company you work for internally within the Magic Johnson system, you still understand that we are the communities we serve. So the foundation's mission is the community. The enterprise's mission is the community. Our development company is the community. And we do great business in the community and we give back at the same time. We provide jobs. We also put people you know, to work, of course, but we also provide scholarships to those same families. Uh, we provide grants to those same community. Uh, so we are constantly building loyalty amongst those communities. No matter what city, it's all the same, and it's all the same feel. So with my constant, um, I guess, beating Mr. Johnson in the head by telling him we have to integrate what we do from every level, uh, he then empowered me and made me uh, strategize and come up with a plan to build a legacy and to cohesively build the brand of what we know today as the Magic Johnson brand. Of course, it takes strong leadership and it takes teamwork to maintain a quality brand. And of course, Mr. Johnson is that strong leader. He over delivers on everything that he does. I think it wasn't that long ago that he was here to speak uh, at the Pe at Pepperdine. Uh, and actually he only spoke to a small class of about 20 and he was only asked to be here for 30 minutes. But I believe we had to end up dragging him out of that, um, that, that classroom because he is one that over delivers every time he, he, he comes into any situation, whether it's speaking or whether it's partnering. Uh, and I would definitely add that the impact of the brand is simply that. Because he over delivers, our consumers embrace our brand they consume our brand, they champion our brand, they know that our brand is one that uh, truly speaks to the community, and they believe in our brand. So for us, uh, it gives me great pride to work for a man and for a brand that believes in what he does every single day. The difficult part, I would say, is uh, 
because the brand that I work for is also an individual, it is a little difficult in separating that. And when we think about building a legacy, how do we separate the man from the brand? As we forge new businesses and we forge new partnerships, that one thing that he cannot do is he can't be everywhere. Although he thinks he can, he definitely thinks he can. Uh, he speaks. I'm sorry. He speaks over a hundred times a year, uh, and but now he's beginning to slow down a bit. Uh, so as we form new partnerships and new ventures, our focus is to ensure that those partners know that Magic Johnson is not going to be at every opening. He's not going to be there to speak at everything, but what he has built lasts forever. And that is that loyalty, that trust that our partners truly um, see as added value. The impact that we have created in urban America has been tremendous. Of course, Magic Johnson Enterprises has been at the forefront of urban investment and urban, urban redevelopment since the early 90s. We've laid the groundwork to establish a credible track record in urban America, and we did this all during a time when few did not even believe in investing in those urban markets. We were the first to go into Harlem. We were one of the first to really, um, really create uh, change in the Los Angeles Crenshaw community. We overcame those mis misperceptions about these communities uh, could not be profitable. We partnered with great companies like Starbucks to tweak the business and to focus on elements that spoke directly to the community. So if you've been into any one of our businesses, you will hear different music, music that resonates with the community. You would taste different pastries that resonate with those communities. You see different colors, brighter colors, and if you see a community wall, because the urban market is really focused on speaking directly to that community. You can't go into an urban market and speak 30,000 feet in the air. You have to speak directly to the community. We recognize that investors should be aware that the collective spending power in the urban communities is up six times more than that of the suburban areas. And investors should also know that the minority population is growing so rapidly, is growing at seven times the rate of the general population. So if we look at where America is going and where corporations are going, is going towards investing in the urban market and growing that market share in urban market. So I would say that Mr. Johnson was definitely ahead of the curve. Um, and now we have corporations calling us wanting to partner. But it wasn't always like that. We had a difficult time of overcoming those obstacles. And one of the stories that Mr. Johnson always says is, although He's very successful today in the urban market. At the time, 12, 15 years ago, when he was trying to open up those doors, they would open. He was able to get the meetings. But in the meetings, they would ask for the autograph. Uh, and of course, uh, at the end of the meeting, he would say, OK, will you invest with me? Will you partner with me? And these corporations would say, no, I'm not going to give you my money. I don't believe in what you're saying. I'll definitely give you, you know, I'll definitely take your autograph. So it was 20 times of um, those doors being open and those doors closing. But he had the dream. He had the dream of investing in those communities, and he had a dream of empowering them. So by that 21st door that was open, he walked straight through it. 
and was able to provide that, that proven legacy, that track record. And so today we have partnerships like Starbucks. We have partnerships uh, that ended up being six Magic Johnson theaters. The first it started with Sony and now it's AMC today. We have strong real estate developments, mixed-use properties all over the U.S. We have 24-hour fitnesses and Burger Kings. But these are all corporations that believed in magic and believed in investing in that urban community. One of the examples that I, that I give, and I, I really like to talk about this, is, is Starbucks. Um, that is a great brand. And uh, to study that brand, is, is, it, it really is tremendous. Um, Howard Schultz started with, with, with nothing that built an incredible brand, a, world, a worldwide known brand. And it's a brand that we strive to be. Um, and Mr. Johnson always talks about how Howard Schultz is a mentor of his. But that was one of our first major partnerships as well. And Howard believed in Mr. Johnson and believed in the legacy and believed in investing in the community that we formed a partnership that no other uh, company has done. If you look at Starbucks, you can't get a franchise. We are the only partner of Starbucks. So if you look at our businesses, we form very unique uh, partnerships that are only focused on the companies per se. So Starbucks, we are that only partner. Burger King, we are a partner in that. 24-Hour Fitness, we are a partner. And what we try and do is own at least 51% of that entity because it is strong to be a minority owner of these corporations. And it is strong to play your role in your businesses. So for us, we play our role. We provide that added value in tweaking the business to focus on the communities we serve. But we allow our partners to handle the operations and to not um, overstep our bounds and tell them how to do their business. The other element that uh, uh, is very key to us is the future of our company. We're proud to announce that today we employ over 20,000 employees. We also have served over 30 million customers. And for me, starting 11 years ago with five employees and not in one Magic Johnson Theater, it's tremendous just to see the growth of our business and to see the growth of this visionary who had a vision, who had a plan, um, and to see it come to fruition. It's amazing. And to see just his um, trust in every single employee, his trust in the community, and his, he laid his, um, his foundation by saying that this is a community that you should invest in, and I will continue to expand that. The future of the Magic Johnson Enterprises comes in so many ways. Where we see ourselves, and if Mr. Johnson was sitting here, he would say the future is everything. He wants to touch everything. He wants to be everything to the urban market. But we can't be everything. Of course, we're, we're just one entity. So we invite those corporations. We invite others like us to help with empowering the community. We do plan to expand beyond the United States. We do plan to expand internationally. If Magic Johnson is in any country, he is known as Magic. He's known as Magic the, the off the court, and he's also known as Magic on the court. We want to continue to reinvent ourselves. The one thing that you can do is you can ask a five-year-old or a six-year-old, 
who Magic Johnson is, and they know who Magic Johnson is. They know him more so as the businessman, which is fantastic. The older community knows him as both the businessman and the entrepreneur. So we, we plan to continue to expand in the areas that we are not currently in the United States, as well as expand in those areas internationally. And to continue to reinvent ourselves and to be able to stand before you saying that Magic Johnson has built a legacy that lasts beyond him and his physical presence. But we have built a legacy that lasts forever. When all of us are gone, there will still be our brick-and-mortar businesses in the communities that we serve. I wanted to leave everyone with a quote, of course, from Mr. Johnson himself. Um, but the one thing that he has taught me and the one thing that he has taught everybody that works for him is to dream, is to dream big and to go after it, to work very hard, to over-deliver, to command the respect, and to be knowledgeable about what you are doing. One thing he has always said is, you are the only one who can make a difference. And whatever you dream, or whatever your dream is, go for it. Challenge yourself and go for it. So I thank you all for having me here. And I believe we're going to do a... Okay. You know, as I think about Magic Johnson Enterprises and what you're trying to accomplish, um, it's a wonderful vision. Right. And in the business school, our mission is to develop value-centered leaders. And we talk about doing that in a way that um, as, these, as our students develop as leaders, they're really creating value both for business and for society. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. But talk a little bit about sort of that vision for Magic Johnson Enterprises, because I really see you all doing that so intimately in everything you do. And so talk a little bit more about that vision and that integration of not only being successful from a business perspective, but also contributing more broadly to society. Well, the great thing about um, just creating value uh, is knowing the community that you are serving. And I believe that the value that we've created is one that started with Magic Johnson being on the court uh, to what he's been able to do off the court. Um, the very uh, element of our company that focuses on business as well as nonprofit uh, creates value. Uh, we are investing in the communities that we're, we're serving. We're also creating value by uh, empowering those communities, providing those jobs, as I mentioned, uh, as well as providing scholarships and, and grants to those communities. That creates value. And then, of course, Mr. Johnson, being who he is, adds an extra value. Uh, he, he brings that added value to every element of the community that we serve. You know, you noted, and, and certainly this was the case, particularly when uh, Mr. Johnson sort of started this enterprise, that people just weren't investing in right. urban America, and they didn't think you could make money investing in urban America. And he clearly had a vision for that. But how do you decide what urban areas to go into? Are there certain characteristics that that you look for in an urban area that you think will allow you to be successful there? Well, every partnership is very different, um, and there's a different criteria for each one. But the overarching uh, point of, of, of similarity that we look for is the density of each one of those urban markets. So the major urban cities, of course, um, Los Angeles and, and New York and Chicago, uh, but we really try and focus on those areas that have a large minority population. Uh, and then uh, each criteria will be different based on the, the, the partnership. Of course, Starbucks looks for something a little bit differently, and our theaters does as well. 
but it is primarily that urban population, that minority population. Do you find that you have to function differently in, because there, there are certainly different minority populations right. even within urban right. centers, mm -hmm. so how do you manage that difference and do you see if, you're, if you have a Starbucks in uh, one part of town with a certain uh, minority population versus another part of town, how do you manage that and do you see different business models that work in those settings? We do see different business models that work. Um, our, the primary uh, minority populations that we um, serve are the African American population, the Hispanic population, and in a number of cases we have Asian populations that uh, are in the, the, the Bay Area. Um, but it all depends on the business. We have Washington Mutuals um, that are focused in the Bay Area that are primarily Asian, uh, and the business model works there, and we make sure that we tweak our businesses to focus on that community that we're serving. We hire people that look like that community, uh, that speak the language of that community. Uh, we, we, we change the music that resonates with that community, and it all depends on that particular partnership and that particular business. And so if you move into international settings, how do you see that playing out, uh, that sort of that learning that you've had here with different ethnic populations playing out as you go internationally? I don't know how far down that path you yeah. are in your strategy to go international yeah. or not. That plan is still being developed. We have established certain partnerships that will allow us to uh, focus on uh, different, in, in different areas. We just formed a great relationship with Sodexo, and I understand Sodexo is actually a, they, they provide your food service here, right? right. <laughs> um, but Sodexo is one of our partners, and uh, we have formed that that relationship, and we are the majority owner in that uh, food service entity. Um, but we've already talked about uh, establishing food service opportunities in other countries, um, as well as we've talked about South Africa. Um, so, in a number of different ways, of course, we w we will focus on what uh, that community needs and what the partnership actually is. And as you hear me talk about partnerships, because we truly are a company that partners. We do not believe in reinventing the wheel, but what we do believe in is providing the equal access um, to communities, urban communities worldwide. Mm -hmm. So as you look to the future, what do you think the biggest business opportunities in urban markets are? in the United States, particularly since that's what you're most familiar with right now. I mean, you all have done food service, you've done mm -hmm. entertainment kinds of things, but are there sort of niches in urban markets that that businesses haven't tapped into that you think could be really successful in the future? I think there's there's so many. Um, there, there's so many. Even if we were to just look at um, just where, uh, where the economy is going now or where corporations are headed or what's hot right now, which is uh, new media. Mm -hmm. uh, new media is, is, is one that is on fire. Um, using your cell phone to do any and everything with it is truly one that resonates with, with a lot of communities, and one in particular, definitely the urban market. Um, but even outside of that, there's still areas that, uh, if you look at development, the urban market uh, still does not have. Um, we still, I would say, just uh, driving down the street, there's still um, uh, businesses that still aren't there. I don't want to, you know, obviously point any, any, anything out, but there's still businesses that still are not uh, in the communities uh, that, that we see every day. You know, uh, when we were uh, visiting in the podcast, we talked a lot about the branding yes. piece of it. You, you mentioned that a lot. And, and the piece of that that to me is really fascinating is this idea of the brand, of course, is built around Magic Johnson, right. as you talked about, who is a brand in and of himself. Right. So 
I'd like to hear just a little bit more about these specific strategies that you all are implementing to be able to build that brand even beyond him because as we know he, he's there now but he will always be associated with the organization and as you said it's grown and so he can't be everywhere but what are specific things that you are doing to to really take full advantage of him but also build that brand independent of Mr. Johnson so it does kind of carry its own weight right. over time. Well some of the specific strategies that, um, that we have put in place um, have really started with our new partnerships. Obviously the old partnerships are already in existence but they've quickly realized that the more Starbucks we open of course he can't be at every single one uh, and although he tries to visit every Starbucks uh, he can't be at every single one. But our new partnerships um, we have established them to last five and ten years and beyond. Uh, but in the elements that we've created are those same elements that embody the image of magic, um, that trust of magic, um, that loyalty that everybody in the community really gravitates to. Uh, so if you walk into any of our businesses, we create those community feel, that, that community feel. We create a lifestyle um, that is there without the actual presence of magic. Um, so if it's new joint venture partnerships, the food service is much different because um, that is, of course, you don't, he doesn't necessarily have to be there. But the, um, the restaurants that we are creating or the marketplaces or the cafeterias that we are creating embody what Magic Johnson stands for. So there are community elements there. Um, there are images of him that are there. So the customers know that this is Magic Johnson's and they could trust that the food will be, you know, perfect and the food will be, uh, that the food will resonate with what they are used to. Uh, so those elements have already been established and we have just added to that. In your talk, you talked a little bit about your, uh, in the, when you started working with the company and then you got married, you had right. a family along the way. I sort of transition a little bit and talk on a little bit more personal level. Um, you shared with me earlier that you have a uh, sort of bicoastal yeah. marriage. So talk a little bit about your family and, and how you manage that given the responsibilities sure. that you have. I know I'm sure many people in sure. the audience try to figure out how to make all that work right. and it's very challenging. Yes. Well, to add on to, to the plate, I didn't mention that my husband also lives in New York and I live in L.A. Um, but, <laughs> um, but we've been able to make it work and I have a, a four-year-old who loves to travel. Uh, so <laughs> he loves to travel. So that makes it, yes, that makes it much, much easier. Uh, but it is, it, it, is, it is a challenge balancing um, family, balancing, you know, being a wife, being a mom, and having to uh, run an entity. And Irvin always talks about how he's my third child. <laughs> my husband's my, my child, my son, and, and Mr. Johnson, he says, I, he's my third child. Um, which is true in a lot of ways, but I'm able to balance them all. Um, the good thing is once a, one week out of a month, I work from New York. And my son is fourth right now, so it's easier to take him out of school. Uh, but of course, next year it may become even more challenging. Uh, but there's a lot of business that I do in, in New York that, that lends me there, that takes me there. Um, my husband travels to Los Angeles, so I'm able to, uh, we're able to see each other then. Uh, and, and, of course, my boss is uh, extremely understanding. And, of course, he's a dad and he's a husband, so he recognizes 
that you still have to have family time in order to balance your everyday life. If times are miserable at home, it will be difficult to have a good time at work or to be able to be um, successful um, at work or, or implement great strategy because your mind is somewhere else. So. So have you found as the chief operating officer that because of the way you have to kind of manage your family that it changes or has influenced the way you run the organization and maybe some of the policies that you've put in place in the organization? Actually, no, I, w I would love to. One of the goals of mine, of course, is to have an office in New York. <laughs> I would say that would be one of the great changes, but also um, having uh, a an office on the East Coast is um, an element that needs to exist in our company. A lot of our businesses are located on the East Coast, uh, so that would definitely be one that we would need to implement. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that um, that I, I've changed any policy based on my my uh, my, uh, my my personal life. Uh, I will say that uh, I am one that they always call me Superwoman because I, you know, of course, had the baby and came right back to work and worked while from the hospital. So that in and of itself wasn't um, normal. It's not normal at all. Um, but <laughs> I did it. Uh, and that was just based on just who I am, just being extremely driven. And um, sometimes I didn't shut it off. Uh, but uh, it, I've been able to truly balance it in a, in a great way. Well, you're to be commended for doing that, and I'm sure your husband contributes a lot to right. making that all work as it, as it can. But I'm going to kind of transition and open the floor to the audience and see who has questions out there that they would like to ask of Kawana that would expand on things she's talked about or touch on things that she hasn't. So, Michael, we'll start with you and then we'll go right here. You started with a fellow that arguably has the top Q scores of all Q scores in, Correct. in history. Correct. Now, here you are, a, a young woman starting with a company, and probably at that point, the Q score was a big piece of the sale. But just like when we use examples of McDonald's and Starbucks and whatever, these are companies that started in coffee and hamburgers and ultimately became real estate plays, Correct. but never had to lose sight of what, they, what the inherent drama was Correct. of what they were doing. When you now target a new partnership, and now we've come fast forward here mm -hmm. to a moment in time where it's not just Magic Johnson, mm -hmm. it's a solid bricks and mortar business yes. with a heavy growth, growth profile. How much now do you build in Magic the Q score and how much do you try to walk a little bit away from that as you realize that the Q score is going to have to become less and less important as time right. goes by and it's going to have to be more about how you really build businesses and obviously you have a real talent for doing that because you can't just rely on the Q score. That's very true. That, that's a great question. Uh, Does everybody really... in the audience know what a Q score is? No. Okay. okay. I want you to find that okay. first and then answer the question. Okay. The Q score is, um, how do I just, how do I put this in? A Q score is the uh, score that uh, shows how popular uh, and a celebrity uh, is um, for endorsements, um, for advertisements, um, how well known he is in different arenas. Uh, he has a different Q score for business. He has a different Q score for entertainment. He has a different Q score for, for him being an athlete. Um, his Q score for being recognized as an athlete, of course, is in almost at 100. 
his Q score from being recognized as a businessman is very high. We actually, the great thing is uh, there was a study that just came out two weeks ago where he was voted number one. Um, his Q score was very, very high. It was 99.5, I believe, Stephanie, right? Um, amongst other athletes uh, that resonate with corporate America. So there's a different Q score for every um, business, but it's how well you are recognized and how well you are known in these different arenas and these different markets. Um, we do go in and we definitely have to utilize that uh, as part of who Magic is because he is definitely well known, um, whether it's his presence or whether it is, um, or he's you know not, not there, whether it is something that we've created. But over the course of time, over the course of the years, we have, been able to build a business and we know how to do business in these urban markets. Uh, so from our first business being the theaters, um, we had to really understand that customer um, and really know uh, how to do business well in that community. Uh, so we had to learn over the course of three, five, I think it was about five years before, it was about five years before we established our next partnership, which was Starbucks. Now with the Starbucks relationship, we also had to tweak the business, focus on the communities that we're serving, uh, and that also ends up relating to the bottom line. So we've created that track record that stands beyond the Q score. The, the Q score got us there, absolutely, but we had to um, we had to prove that we knew business and that we knew how to focus on the communities that we were serving to affect the bottom line, and that's simply it. I actually have two questions. And you so eloquently described where the Maddie Johnson Foundation is in its present day, but I wanted to know, what do you see for the future of the foundation? Let's say 10 years from now, where do you see the Maddie Johnson Foundation going? We see the foundation actually um, having an endowment and lasting forever. Uh, the foundation currently is in a mode of um, continuing to raise funds uh, to be able to affect change all across uh, the U.S. and all across uh, um, in the markets that, that we currently serve. Um, but the foundation is in need of building an endowment so that it can last forever and stand on its own. Uh, a lot of our partnerships now provide funds to our foundation. Actually, mostly all of our partnerships provide funds to our foundation. So no matter what business it is, they, they carve out a certain element or a certain percentage of dollars that goes to our foundation. But at the same time, uh, the foundation is uh, establishing an endowment. Uh, and that is the future of where we're headed. So the foundation could just live off of that interest and continue to do good uh, overall and not have to primarily focus on the fundraising element, but can focus on the programs and expanding the, those scholarships that I talked about, uh, expanding the technology centers into um, other countries. We've obviously uh, have been reached out to on a number of occasions about providing service and other areas outside of the U.S., so I see that as part of the future growth of our foundation as well. Okay, and my second question is, does the Matthew Johnson Foundation have a specific strategy in implementing the four P's of marketing, price, placement, promotion, and product in a business venture? Uh, I would say the, founda the foundation um, doesn't necessarily have a strategy in that sense currently, although uh, we are working on that. Uh, the foundation is still growing in a number of ways. Uh, we are still establishing our mission uh, beyond just uh, the single disease um, and the scholarships and technology. Uh, we still want to expand in social in the social needs. 
But from the HIV perspective, we have um, done a number of great partnerships, and one being with Abbott uh, Pharmaceuticals, and that uh, we have a strong uh, marketing campaign, and that is the I Stand With Magic campaign. Uh, so in that sense, we, we, we have strategized, um, but in a number of ways, we still have to grow our scholarship program and really put together a strategic marketing plan uh, for that growth of, of every element of our foundation. Thank you so much. Here. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? My name's Daniel. Good to meet nice you. Nice to Daniel. meet you. Great to meet you. Um, I'm extremely um, passionate about the education of those living in inner city communities that go to schools that aren't up to par, let's say. And um, one of the things that I didn't hear discussed too much was the Magic Johnson Community Empowerment Centers. Yes. And um, one of the things that I'd like to do is do great things for the community, you know, regardless of race, regardless of the kind of money you're bringing in, just those kids that don't have the education that they really need. Mm -hmm. um, and also providing the belief in those kids that they can achieve. Because many of the kids that I mentor in the inner city, they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in their ability. They don't see themselves with a suit on. That's correct. And um, I'm extremely passionate about that. And I'm just curious, how do you take all the retail commercial properties, all the money you're making, how is that invested into empowering the kids um, that you're concerned about? Well, um, to, to answer the first question about um, the empowerment centers, those are, uh, when I say technology centers, we actually renamed them to the Magic Johnson Empowerment Centers. Um, and we have 23 of those centers um, all across the U.S. Uh, we have implemented a strategy that uh, really focuses on the, the residents uh, and the students that go through our empowerment centers to provide scholarships to them. Um, and we, of course, as I mentioned, each one of our partners provides funding um, to all of our um, foundation programs, and one of those programs being the empowerment centers. Uh, it is our focus and it is our... Um, our mission uh, to instill every element of education to those scholars uh, and to the, the individuals that go through our empowerment centers. And a lot of our empowerment centers are based on housing developments. Um, so uh, we have technology, we have a technology partner, uh, and those students are able and those kids are able to go and get on a computer and those families are able to go and get on a computer um, to study after school, which did not exist prior to us putting it there. Uh, the parents are able to uh, actually get on get online, um, search for jobs. Um, their grandparents are able to search the net, uh, as well as um, provide. Uh, we also provide um, educational materials for each one of our empowerment centers. Uh, so we're we're constantly um, coming up with new concepts and new ideas to ensure that we empower those communities. But it is through those empowerment centers that that we're doing it. And when I say technology centers, that is, they're one and the same. Uh, hi, Kawana. Uh, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank um, you. Oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> my question is regards to uh, corporate responsibility trends mm -hmm. um, that you spoke about. Uh, I am a student currently, uh, and most of the time I spend uh, is studying, attending classes, and things to this nature. And the only uh, real connection to the corporate world I have 
is uh, attending annual shareholders meetings where I am able to connect with um, the directors. However, you are uh, actively working in the corporate America, and I want to understand uh, what you un what you know uh, about the trends, uh, about bringing businesses like Magic Johnson has to the urban uh, uh, communities, because a lot of people don't know this, but I also emerged from the same community of uh, South LA. And I'd like to see more uh, building uh, of that neighborhood and um, you know neighborhoods across the country where we have um, you know uh, I come from an entertainment background and until I saw you um, were going to be here I didn't realize that Magic Johnson is the one celebrity you know from the LA area that has actually done something to that community where he's built it up um, with Starbucks, with the, the theaters, the 24-hour fitnesses, all the celebrities that I've worked with, Magic Johnson is the only one that I see that you know actually has done something. Do you see that as a trend? I would say it's a trend, but I will say that um, he has opened up um, uh, the eyes of a lot of individuals. Um, he has provided a proven track record that uh, corporate America is now looking at. Um, and they've obviously a number of corporations have reached out to us uh, to say that their growth, uh, the growth of their market share is in these urban areas. Uh, they recognize the growth of, of, of the minority community. They recognize the growth of African Americans and Hispanics um, and Asians. Uh, they recognize that um, the spending power uh, of uh, African Americans is 700 billion, and the spending power for Hispanics is 700 billion, and it's growing. Um, the spending power for for the Asian market is is you know nearly 400 billion. So they recognize the growth um, of these communities, um, and then over the next 20 years, they have to do business in these markets in order to be profitable in order to continue to grow their own business. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a trend because a trend is just for that time. Uh, I would say that the growth in urban America is just the way that corporations will just have to do business. That's just the way that the, the America is. Do you see uh, other celebrities coming to Magic Johnson to sort of think of, to learn from him and how oh, he's yeah. done it to really think about how they can yes. give back in some way that's that significant? Oh yeah, I, I, we have a huge list of, <laughs> of uh, celebrities, of, of, of entertainers, of um, athletes that, you know, for even for us and for Mr. Johnson himself, it's surprising because he's like, wow, these people, they, they just signed this incredible contract. They have all this money, but they're coming to me to ask me what to do with it. So for him, it's, it's exciting um, to be able to uh, be recognized as one that has started the investment in these urban markets uh, and these individuals also have recognized that Magic Johnson has the answers. Uh, he has 
crack the code, I guess, uh, for investing in these urban markets and having a profitable business at the same time. So absolutely, we have a, a huge list of, of entertainers and athletes and uh, celebrities that, that call on him constantly. Well, it's certainly a way he can broaden his influence even beyond the work he's doing in Correct. his own enterprises, but to really have a broader impact through you know, helping others right. make those kinds of contributions. Very good. I think we have, let's see, we've got one back here with the microphone and then several over here. Okay, we'll go to this microphone back here and then we'll come to you right here in the center. Good evening, Shawnee Harris. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, I actually have a hopefully a quick two-part question, and the, both of them are kind of piggybacking off of what other people have said. The first being with the philanthropic efforts of uh, Magic Johnson and like other people wanting to invest their money or do other things, um, has there any uh, ever been any strategy in kind of having like a a dump a dumpster of all the ideas to really concentrate those efforts within the community so you don't have like all these various organizations with the same effort pulling money from the same resources trying to accomplish the same goal. It seems like it might be some sort of, um, with Magic Johnson's popularity, that that might be one of the resources of kind of pulling that all together to have like a stronger impact on the community. Mm -hmm. And then again with, um, I'll give you both questions. Okay. Just go ahead. <laughs> I could pass, it, pass the mic down. But, uh, and then with uh, the welcoming of more people to do joint ventures in the certain communities and invest in those communities, do you then have advice for those people to kind of like who are smaller businesses who want to grow and be more uh, effective in the community? And if so, or with, the, with that advice, do you also have the strategic plan to then compete with them? Okay, I'm going to answer the first question, and I may have you res uh, repeat the second one. <laughs> um, the first question, as far as um, there being a strategy, um, towards identifying areas uh, to empower the community or categories to uh, ensure that we're that that corporations aren't all going towards the same thing um, for us what we have done is we have held several town hall meetings um, in a number of different urban markets with those community leaders um, with the the with the clergy, because one thing that we've recognized is, uh, especially in the African American community, uh, the pastors of those communities are extremely powerful, uh, and they reach just the vast um, uh, majority of that population. Uh, so we, we definitely meet with the clergy. I know uh, Mr. Nate Holden is here, and I know he's definitely been a part of some of the town hall meetings that uh, Mr. Johnson has conducted. Um, but in those meetings and the, the community leaders as well, um, we identify the areas um, that are in need of empowerment uh, for the urban markets in that particular city. Uh, now, as far as an overall strategy, I mean, there, there are several conferences that, that, are, that are going on um, that are focused on urban, you know, redevelopment, et cetera. Uh, but uh, outside of that, uh, I, I wouldn't say that we have been a part of an overall strategy with a number of um, different community uh, leaders that look at the world, you know, look at it from a broad perspective, but definitely a regional perspective we have. And what was the second question? <laughs> the second question was just with um, more, I guess, you know, like a lot of us here are probably hearing this and want to start our own businesses and then 
you know, do you have advice to become, um, on how to project your small businesses into bigger organizations so that you can have more of an impact? So your advice for that, and then if there's any strategy, strategies then can compete as more businesses um, kind of try to do what you do, so to speak. Okay. I would definitely say that um, a strategy for small business is to um, create your, your, your mission and your focus and stick to that. And definitely don't start out with trying to do anything more. Um, focus on one thing and be great at it. And from there, you can grow your business. A lot of small businesses start out, and even for us, I would say some of the, the challenges that we had faced early on was um, starting out uh, with this core focus, but quickly um, trying to do so many other things. Uh, and with a lot of balls in the air, some of those balls will drop. Um, so stay focused uh, and do what you sought out to do very well, and your business will, will grow from there. Great. We've got microphone here, and I'm going to take one more question after that. So I'm going to come right down here and take one more so we can sort of wrap up and be true to our time. So we'll go here, and then we'll end with your question. Okay? Thank you, Mrs. Brown. Uh, Thank you. Wanted to, uh, I was really interested in your international expansion strategy. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things, like when you're going into uh, minority and urban communities internationally, they have a exceedingly low uh, purchase power uh, and, and, you know, spending capabilities in comparison to these types of communities here in the U.S. And I wanted to know, could you, well, could you talk about uh, a couple of your strategies, your marketing strategies for entering and uh, sustaining in those markets? Well, actually, I can't. <laughs> um, and I would say I can't because they are currently um, being put together. The strategy is not completed. Uh, so I, I can't elaborate on them. And actually, the strategy is focused on different partnerships. Um, and I of course, can't speak about uh, those elements right now. But uh, have, you, have you been tasked for putting together a time frame, or what? You know, what is the time frame for? Uh, the time frame is definitely over the next ten years. Ten years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Great. We'll come right down here. If you, we can pass the mic down this direction, or speak really loud. Okay. Okay. Hi. Good to meet you. And. I just wonder, you, you mentioned that uh, one of the, the keys to success is basically staying focused on the original mission. Right. Now, you started off with three people on your team, and now you're over 20,000. Right. Do you find any challenges, you know, maintaining that focus? Or? Well, no, because the great thing is we allow our partners to do what they do. Uh, we allow our partners to handle the operations of the business. So when I say 20,000, uh, that is the, you know, if you go into a Starbucks, those are the, the partners at Starbucks, the baristas at Starbucks. Those are the, um, the attendants at our 24-hour fitnesses, the, um, the, the associates at Burger King's. Um, so those are all of the uh, employees that embody the Magic Johnson brand. So if you look at our map, um, the tentacles are everywhere. The, the brand touches so many different areas. Um, but the great thing is um, it doesn't matter what, where you work or what partnership you work for, each employee recognizes that they are a part of that unique partnership and that they work under that Magic Johnson umbrella. Um, so that, that's definitely the one thing that, that we've been able to do uh, in managing that, those 20,000 20, employees. 
Uh, one day, we, 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 of course, we have a, a uh, annual company retreat. And one of the things we said was one day we'll be able to invite everybody to the company retreat, but I don't know how, how likely that will be. Um, but that's one of Mr. Johnson's visions. We may take over a, a small island or something. But uh, I guess I'll be able to answer that question at another time. Thank you. Well, I know we've got other questions in the audience that you'd love to ask, but we're going to, I think, break it right there. But I want to conclude with one, because you talked about Mr. Johnson once encourages people to dream and to dream big, and that that's really, in part, what influenced you to, to want to work there. What is your dream for Magic Johnson Enterprises as you look 10 years down the road from where you are now? What do you dream that it looks like 10 years from now that's different than what it is now? I, I, my dream is that, uh, for one, my dream is that Mr. Johnson can relax at home. Uh, and uh, like I mentioned, he is definitely into not control, but he really uh, is one that wants his, to have his pulse on every element of of, of what his brand um, embodies, which is very admirable. Um, but my dream is that he could one day sit at home and relax and under and know that the business is being accomplished in a great way. Um, so to be able to truly separate the Q score from the business is where we're headed. So in 10 years, that legacy would have been built. Um, we would no longer be sitting here asking the question of how do you separate the brand from the business? It will be separated and that business will, will be able to last forever. Well, we really appreciate you being here and wish you wonderful success at your continued uh, efforts and development in the urban centers. It's a wonderful vision and mission for the company and, and certainly resonates with kind of our values base here as well. So thank you for being here. We really appreciate you being a part of our Dean's Executive Leadership. Thank you for having me.